and by the time it was all said and done, it turns out he really did have the power after all. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Even after 396 episodes, we are still not above willpower jokes. Sorry, Will. Had to be done. Welcome to our IndyCar season finale episode. Oh, Pretend you're sad, gentlemen. Do it. (laughs) We are sad here because it's the final round of the IndyCar season. Uh, This was the season finale at Laguna Seca, and we're all a bit glum because it's been a very fun IndyCar uh, season this year. But in the end, only one man could lift the Aster Cup. And it was William Stephen Power, ladies, gentlemen, and friends outside the binary, because, uh, oh boy, what a weekend it was. Um, Jeez, history made. You know, he he took an all-time record away from the history books and would go on to do what he's pretty much done all year long, be ultra-consistent and lift the cup in the end. But how we got there was uh, full of drama. Uh, we it, it was wild how we got there on this one. And we're going to break it down over the next 40 minutes or so. But first of all, we've got to bring in my esteemed panel. First and foremost, Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Howdy. Um, you know, get to bring back the line. Oh. You pour in blood, sweat, and tears. And then you lose to Penske. He said the thing! He said the thing! <laughs> he said the thing and also joining us and uh, i'm going to use his own line in the script here quote <clears throat> m101's resident indycar honk and joseph newgarden apologist rj o'connell that's right i'm, I'm taking on the moniker of being the uh, the the indycar honk of the podcast uh i i love the city of indianapolis it's the greatest city in the world with such a vibrant culture. You know, when I when I when I go out to lunch every Sunday, uh, there's only one place that'll do it for me, and that's Jonathan Burt's cafeteria. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, while I'm at it, uh, the uh, the 1994 uh, Penske Elmore pushrod car is is a better piece of automotive achievement than either of the Porsche twins. Or the McLaren MP44 combined. Oh, you're getting, you are not leaving this room alive, O'Connell. <laughs> you said that in front of the Porsche fanboy? Oh, Lord. Are you, are you trying to tempt God here, RJ? Is that it? That's right. You know, a, a whole series, uh, you know, you know, there, there's nothing going wrong. Sure, sure. Andy Lights is having trouble breaking double-digit entries every season. Sure, the series still cannot attract a third OEM, but but I am here to commit to the bit that this series has done nothing wrong and will do nothing wrong for the rest of time. Yeah, win the Ma six times in a row and then come talk to me, Bozo. <laughs> hey, you know, it is the Porsche Penske program. So God no matter right. testing so, it down at Daytona. So in the end, we but we both win. Yeah, we we (laughs) we. Oh dear. (laughs) 
Oh, dear. Look, look, let's put it to you this way. To borrow a line from my Ferrari review at Spa, may your woes be many and your days be few, RJ. Right, let's talk about IndyCar. I mean, we, listen, we'll be talking about Willpower lifting the Astor Cup, his second Astor Cup championship victory in the IndyCar series. Penske, first, second, and fourth in the championship by the time it was all said and done. Um, a beating of monumental proportions over the course of the field on that one. Speaking of which, Alex Pelot absolutely slaughtered the field here. What is Be- his reward? <laughs> um, he gets to keep his job. Well, we do know that Chip likes winners. He couldn't resist. He found the winner right at the end when it mattered most. Who'd have funk it? But yeah, Alex Pelot with a surprise contender for beat him down of the year. He won this race by 30 seconds. He had a whole pit stop on the field. We'll talk about that incredible beating uh, from the Spanish wholesome bitch, as well as Zoe Hamilton would say. Um, and we'll be talking about some of our favorite moments from IndyCar this season as well. A little, a little taster, a nibble into what potentially could be coming next week. But uh, places you can find us real quick before we get into that, you can find us at youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Remember, you can find us on Facebook at motorsport101.com, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, and our personal handles are at Harrison101HD, at CBuckB917, and at RJ O'Connell. Oh, no, uh, I'd like to uh, revise that. Um, as part of my commitment to the bit, my my uh, my, tra- my my handle is now trackform.com. <laughs> trackform.com for RJ O'Connell direct all your inquiries there I'm getting, um, my, I'm getting my infinity gauntlet I've had enough <laughs> yeah. well, while Thanos retreats to the back um, you're also on Instagram at Motorsport 101 pod for all our content updates you can find them on our website motorsport101.com for reviews of both this race a little bit on the season as a whole and Formula 1's Italian Grand Prix and if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our shows before they go live to the public. You can also get access to my Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. So without any further ado, let's get into the IndyCar season finale, the championship race at Monterey. Yeah, I think the Colts can make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, they got Matt Ryan. He's, and a, super, in, he's a Super Bowl contending quarterback. And this isn't, in just, this isn't just shilling. This is desperation. <laughs> <laughs> You could make a case, funnily enough, that the chase for the Aster Cup might have actually been over on Saturday, believe it or not, with Will Powell scoring a record-breaking 68th pole position to take him above the great Mario Andretti. Alongside that, Joseph Newgarden spun out at the corkscrew in the opening round. He had his laps taken away for causing a red flag, so he had to start 25th on the grid. And Scott Dixon... Well, not the first time it's happened to him all year. Just didn't make round two on raw pace alone. Had to start from 13th. But in the race itself, it was Will Power who held his nerve and an almost trademark third place. I mean, fun fact, this was the sixth time this season he's finished the race in precisely third. Um, Well, just in front of him, Joseph Newgarden went on an absolute rampant tear from 25th to 2nd 
in a desperation heave of a four-stopper attempt for the win, which we'll get to Alex Polo in a minute. But Will Power took his second Aster Cup win, the 17th IndyCar Series title for Team Penske, and their drivers were first, second, Joseph Newgarden's third runner-up berth in a row, by the way, and Scott McLaughlin with a final lap pass on Romain Grosjean beat Alex Polo to fourth on the championship on countback. <laughs> Amazing scenes. What did you all make of that final showdown and Will Power's second title win? Um, let this be a lesson to everybody that is in a steady relationship with one or multiple partners, because we don't judge on this platform, uh, that if your partner has a good feeling about your future, you should listen. Because there is a very there's a very well-known anecdote about the early years of Will Power's IndyCar career. Let's take it back to 2008. It is the first year after reunification. Will Power has a pretty decent season. He wins the final champ car race at Long Beach. That was the split weekend where half the field was at Long Beach, half the field at Motegi. He wins the pole for the non-championship race at Surfer's Paradise, but it's not enough for Will Power to keep his job at KB Racing Technologies. And heading into 2005, Will Power is offered a contract to race in A1GP. And he is coming very close to signing that contract when his girlfriend at the time, now his wife Liz, tells him not to sign it. And the reason why she told him not to sign it is because what if Roger Penske or Chip Ganassi come calling? Hmm. Elio Castroneves stands trial for tax evasion charges, which he eventually beats, which leads Will Power to step in for Elio Castroneves. And one really good relief ride turns into Roger Penske scrambling to create a third full-time car that Will Power, the number 12 Verizon car, has still been into this day with many members of that team, from, uh, from Robbie Atkinson, data engineer, to David Faustino, who has been his race engineer for even longer going back to the champ car days. A lot of those people were still with him since the beginning of that journey. And Will wanted to win that race for them. And to my point about trusting your partner's intuition after the race, Will said, you know, my wife told me that you're going to break Mario Andretti's record this year and you're going to win the championship. Now I know there's a lot <laughs> of other factors that go into that, but wow. it just goes to show that like, if, if you got a loving and supportive partner or partners and they feel good about your chances of success, you should listen to that. Mm. No kidding. Yeah. Um, they're f behind every great man is an even greater woman. I often say, um, but, uh, oh boy. Um, yeah, this it's amazing. Like there was genuine concern off the back of last year that willpower might be finished as an elite driver in this series. You know, there was a lot of scruffy mistakes. There was a lot of bad days. He finished ninth overall last year, and we thought this might be it for Will. This might be him at age yeah. 40 thinking, you know what? He's 40. You know, the decline, it happens. You it know. happens to everybody. You know, yeah. at best, you're going to get one or two token wins at the end of the season to keep the consecutive winning streak season going after you're long overlooked as any sort of serious title threat. And then in May, uh, at the, early in the season, Will Power finally has a good start to the season. He explains it's because he's trying out a new, calmer attitude. Because 
what's some of the things that Will Power has been known for throughout his career? That he is the so quickest driver on his day. And that he is also a high-strung, easily heated up dude who just does not accept anything less than success. The most famous instance of this is the famous double bird to Brian Barnhart after whatever the hell happened at New Hampshire in 2011. There was also- I was within a stone's throw of that action. I, you know, I would have gotten rained on that day a whole lot. I would have seen a porta potty get annihilated by Tony Kanan. No, not that way. <laughs> but I would have gotten to see the double bird. Dude, okay. dude, it was willpower for years has always been, you know, a guy who doesn't tolerate failure. And to some that comes across as being a malcontent whiner who should just chill the hell out. Well, he did chill out at age 41. He decided to take this new master of Zen approach. And, you know, it was tested at times. It was tested at Road America when Devlin DeFrancesco punted him off. And then after the race, he repaid him with just a little bit of kiss on the on the on the wing, just a little bit. But other than that, you know, Will Power stuck with the game plan. He didn't try to be the fastest driver in every single session. He just he just decided to control what he could, and it worked out for him. And there's a race I want to talk to talk about later on that I think was the defining moment of season, but this is just another one of the things he he knew at some point I don't have the pace in me to win the race I'm just gonna go out and get the best result that I can and it worked you know if you flip a coin you have a worse chance of it landing on either side than you do of willpower finishing any of these races on the podium in 2022 nine podiums in 17 races yeah incredible job and only one victory the one win at Detroit he didn't yeah. win any other races and yet Average finish on the year, 5.9? Yeah, his floor was so damn high that even without the incredible peaks, I mean, Joseph Newgarden was racking up dubs left and right. It didn't matter. Because his floor was just too high. Power didn't give him an inch. And nope. when Newgarden inevitably made mistakes, Power punished him every single time. It's a good... 17 race season, 12 times he finished in the top four. That is unbelievable consistency. Like that, I, I can't stress this enough how hard it is to be ultra consistent in IndyCar. I'd argue it's, it's harder. I'd argue it's harder than winning four or five races over the course of a year. Because to a degree, and this is no disrespect to Joseph. We kind of expect that from Team Penske, given how quality of, of an operation they are at this point. But for Power to have, and let's not forget, he didn't have a great 500. He he had a couple of scruffy races. He was taken out of Road America. He was clumsy in Toronto. An average finish of under six will win you championships. I no mentioned it last, last episode that he got lucky in the sense that all of the remaining title contenders had awful 500s either by their own accord or by their team being poor. Uh, Marcus mm. Erickson aside, who just sixth through 10th his way all the way through the year, and it just wasn't quite enough. Mm. Will Power finished every race and every lap of every race. And the only other driver to do pull that off was Scott Ditson, who was one mile an hour away in the pits from probably having this championship wrapped up before we even get to Laguna Seca. 
Yeah, more on that later. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, you don't need me to tell you that Powers deserving. He was unbelievable. And, to yeah. cut, and the thing is, right, to do that at age 41 against... And I've been, okay, I've not been watching IndyCar as long as you two have, but the top seven, in my opinion, in this championship are all fantastic racing drivers. Him, uh, you put them in any series, mm, in any discipline, give them time, they will perform. Yeah. You're looking at Dixon, Newgarden, McLaughlin, Polo, Ericsson, you know, Pato Award. That is an unbelievable top seven. Colton Herter was 10th in the championship this year. 10th! And we know what Colton Herter can do at the highest level. Like, this is a, a remarkably good top 10 in IndyCar right now. I think it's a, the elite class in IndyCar is, is, in my opinion, as strong as it's ever been. And despite that, Power was ridiculous. Newgarden was ridiculous. McLaughlin was ridiculous, all in their own separate ways. We'll, we'll talk about that more in our IndyCar se season review next week, hopefully. But it's an incredible top class in IndyCar, and Power beat them all with sheer consistency. Like he beat Dixon at his own game. Like this is the Dixon way of winning a championship, and he did it. He did it the Yoan Mir way, a one-win series champion. One. We thought it the was mad that Polo did it with actively, three. An actively poor five hundred. Yeah, he was midfield. I think he was thirteenth in the five hundred or fifteenth or something silly like that in the teens, and he still won the championship with one win. The, the one-win series champ. I mean, that just doesn't happen in most It doesn't happen that season. much. And like, yes, Chevrolet did make gains that made this possible, but Will Power, to his credit, reinvented himself. And it's not the first time that he's done this because Will Power went from being a serviceable oval racer to, at a point, the best in the field. Right. Yeah. To where he is an all all disciplines kind of driver who can perform on every given weekend. Well, and because and we know why it's because having watched IndyCar for as long as we have, RJ, we can remember the early 2010s where Will Power was capital H him on road courses, mm. but so abysmal on ovals that it cost him multiple. Like, what, three consecutive championships? His engine blew at Homestead in 2010. Uh, we know what happened in 2011. That was just awful all around. Fontana in 2012 was the real crusher because he had that championship. Probably wrapped up, and then he wrecked on his own. Got back out there, but it just wasn't enough but to not, hold off. Not Ryan just the finale as well. All throughout the year, you'd see him just be very poor on ovals. He's completely flipped that script around. Yeah. yeah, I think he was probably the second or third best oval driver on the year. The only guys I would say were, that were definitely better on ovals than him was Newgarden and probably Pato Award. Yeah. That's about it. You know, like, Newgarden, Newgarden should have another win to his name, but his right rear suspension had other ideas in Iowa too. Yeah. And that probably cost Newgarden the Aster Cup in the end. Like, yep. that was... Oh, Lord. And let's not forget, Joseph Newgarden won five races this year. Five. He was Pagano in 2016. Joseph five. in this race gave it the old college try. Oh, my God, he did. Like, <sighs> like fair play. He, he recovered about as well as you could from the 
terrible qualifying position that you were given, given that the given that only one person had ever won from outside the top six in the history of Laguna Seca going into this weekend. And now it's two, but we'll get to that shortly. Yeah. But. Shout out to Max Pappas. But um, yeah, like it's New Garden drove like a man who knew his championship was slipping away from him and knew he had to do something to make this interesting. And he did. That was like New Garden's had two or three of these these years where when New Garden is dialed in and at his best, he's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was just another example of like it wasn't just a strategy race he was passing people left and right he was making the corkscrew his signature move the one he put on power where he's coming from like two car lengths back and he just beautifully he made power take was, a business decision yeah that was an all or nothing lunge and he got it on willpower to take second on track and at least make power have to think about it a little bit in in terms of that championship fight joseph newgarden is a special fucking driver i've said this countless times this dude is a monster when he's dialed in properly and yeah he he's been a bit rough around the edges at times his average finish was only eight on the and i say only eight like that's dreadful but he won five times this year five and I, I can't believe i'm saying this he's th- that's the third runner-up finish in a row for joseph newgarden this has to sting like how but how do, he must be going at home thinking how do i keep getting narrowly beaten like this this is getting ridiculous oh well, that's just it is that power power more or less maximized everything that was on the table to him every weekend oh yeah whereas joseph yeah, there's there's a couple of events, whether it's you know mainly mechanical this year, with very rarely a driver error. There's a lot of points sitting on the table that Joseph would have gotten that just, uh-huh. he just didn't. And so that them's the breaks in racing. Yeah, it's it is wild that like I said Joseph's got to be at home right now thinking, how on earth did I not win this one? And like, if you're Scott Ditson, you're probably thinking. I was a mile an hour away from doing the double. Dixon yeah. had outside the 500. His worst finish class- was 12th. His worst finish was 12th, despite atrocious qualifying form, and that pretty much sealed his fate uh, mm. this weekend. Just no just, speed in qualifying. Just didn't have it. Just, uh, just but, Dixon, Dixon said on the radio after the race, I, did, I tried everything. We did everything. There was just no speed in the car. It, it, yeah, that was only the second time all season Dixon's been outside the top 10 all year. But yeah. even then, if he doesn't botch the 500, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So despite having a classic Dixon season, otherwise, as you said last episode, Dre, he carries the biggest mistake, arguably, of the entire motorsport season on his shoulders. It's one of the biggest errors in modern motorsport history. I, I stand by this. I can't think of one where such a trivial mistake on paper led to such catastrophic consequences regarding a man's entire championship because the maths dictates that this that the 500 matters so much in the way that the final leaderboard plays out, more than you think, um, given over 120 points are given out over the course of that two-week period. And Dixon going a mile an hour over the speed limit cost him probably everything. One more note before I move on. This was Joseph Newgarden's sixth year at Team Penske. 
five of the six years he's finished as champion or runner-up. He's pretty a good. He's a he's monster. Pretty- <laughs> I don't he know. Is, he's outrageous. <laughs> I don't know how long this new and improved version, new and rejuvenated version of willpower has left. He's indicated that he wants to come back after his contract ends at the end of next season. Mm. I don't know how long it's going to last, but let's enjoy it while we still can. It's like, I love me some willpower. I do this. I may be biased because, you know, I backed the side of the split that didn't survive reunification and mm. i knew the willpower what had the potential to be that dude and you know i'm i'm glad he's gotten this opportunity and now with that with the second championship with the indy 500 that he won four years ago he, he doesn't have to yell and demand respect from anybody he's got it yeah he is that dude he has been one of the most consistently outstanding indy car drivers ever there is no we talk about dixon's consistency in the top of the highest level and yes it absolutely is there willpower has finished outside of the top five of a championship once since 2010 like this, this power is always there always in the mix always a contender can win any given race on any given day on paper and there's not many people you can say that about and the funniest thing about this second astor cup win is that he didn't even have to do that to win the title you are looking at one of the all-time greats of this era no question um in north american motorsport he's a special driver willpower and congrats to him and obviously part of the liz on the second Aster cup and uh yeah remarkable season all round from willpower <laughs> again one more time average finish 5.9 with one win that is just remarkable stuff speaking of remarkable stuff we've got to talk a little bit about addicts polo um look at alex polo holy moses this is this is one of those instances where the advanced stats nerd and the he got that dog in him kid are just reaching hands and shaking hands across aisles of the bus yeah my word um jesus christ um yeah this is this is wild to say the least um okay so out of nowhere, he came alive at the final half of this race where we had the one caution on the day, and that was poor Calamilo, whose motor just died coming out of the pits. And he qualified in second. That was a phenomenal effort from Calamilo. Damn shame. He was running in the top six when his car died. Horrible, horrible bit of luck for the Jinko boys and girls on that one. But uh, that was the only that was the only restart we had, and after that restart, Alex Polo crushed the field like a pillar of salt. Um, he, he took off. He was a second lap faster on a new set of sticker reds, and he eventually won the race by count them thirty seconds. Thirty. Casually, you just said, "Oh yeah, he pulled away about about a second a lap." Thirty point yeah. four seconds, the largest margin of victory at a road course since unification in two thousand eight. Mm. good lord 
32nd margin of victory. He absolutely destroyed the field. We've I can't I can't remember an indie car race where a guy's won by 30 seconds. That is absolutely not even close to that. Absolutely nonsense. All the while, and as we had to edit this bit in because of the news that happened this morning, so thanks, RJ, for that. All the while, we were confident this was Pelot's last race for Chip Ganassi Racing, even as Pelot was giving comments after the race that he was reconsidering spurning his current team. Right? Surprise! <laughs> On Wednesday, we learned that Pelot is staying with Ganassi for the 2023 season, which also allows Felix Rosenquest to stay at Aaron McLaren SP alongside Pato Award and Alex Rossi. The wildest silly season story of IndyCar Silly Summer ends with everyone staying where they were and at least for the moment being content where they are. Funny how that turns out. Skip we'll just get- likes winners way too much. Yeah, well, we'll get into a little bit of that in a minute but uh we got to talk about alex polo here like was that a contender for beat him down of the year was up there uh, i uh i'm gonna turn this over to michael gathers of rose of three at rose of three on twitter mm. uh alex polo's fastest 50 laps were faster than joseph newgarden's by half a second on average this is not a large track <laughs> Polo was half a second quicker than Joseph Newgarden for more than half of an IndyCar race. Once, after the first round of pit stops, right, Polo starts on primaries, goes to alternates, opposite power. Polo's able to do four more laps on his opening stint. By the time he puts those red tires on, he's able to catch and pass willpower for the lead. And then from there, he pretty much just checks the hell out. No one could see him. Gone. It was like within five laps of the restart, the race was over. Yeah. Right there and then. It was just it he was more like Martin a second. Make an extra pit stop, have a sandwich, and then get back out and still be in the lead. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like absolutely bonkers stuff. Um com- a completely insane performance. This was arguably the driver of the season in IndyCar, arguably the driver of the year in all of motorsport. This was redonkulous. Um, I was sitting here thinking after that race, I, I literally said to everybody in the Discord who was watching along with, please find a way to keep him in that car for next year. The sport is better for it if he is in that 10 car next season. And thank Christ they were able to come to an agreement on this because... I was genuinely concerned he was going to be sitting on the pine for all of 2023. That was what people were leaning towards thinking was going to happen. So, of course, three days later, it turns out, oh, by the way, I'm staying. We we came to an arrangement. (laughs) Uh, Thank God for that, because to your point, he is so talented. He's ridiculous. He is so extraordinarily good. When there is no contract disputes hanging over his head. When, he can when just... him and his management are not trying to sabotage themselves. When he can just go out there and drive. And I think looking back on it, like, I could almost kind of see, like, you think back about it, like, maybe they knew at that moment and that allowed Alex to chill out. And by the way, he had to, he had to take a six race spot grid penalty before the start of this race dro- dropping it from 5th to 11th yeah needed a new engine but then conversely um kind of becomes a theme with these uh 
these wins in open wheel series. That engine penalty then gives you the freshest engine in the field, and well, there's just no way around that, is there? Mm. A complete stomping of the field. He curb stomped Joseph Newgarden by half a second for over half the race. I thought Will Power was going to win this lights to flag and take the title. And as it turns out, it didn't go like that. Um, didn't need it to. I, well, if, uh, if this was the, uh, if this was the point in time where Alan Iverson and Larry Brown's relationship was so bad that Iverson almost went to the Detroit Pistons in a trade, Oscar Piastri is the Matt Geiger of this equation because Yes, that avenue closing up thanks to Piastri signing. I th- we'd be foolish not to think that that Im- impacted things, but I'm glad that it all worked out in the end. That Polo is going to have another chance to stay at Ganassi, and who knows how long it's going to last after that. But I wouldn't bet him against him to bounce back and be a title threat again. And you know what? That's great for Felix Rosenquist, too, because mm. the last thing that he deserved after finally getting things back on track with McLaren SP, when going into the 500, that con- that seat of his was looking as good as everybody but Felix Rosenquist. He finally gets a turnaround, and he looks like the driver for hire that we've known and loved all along. And I'll tell you, him, O. Ward, and Rossi on the same team. Oh, that's looking good. I don't know if McLaren SP's right there just yet, but they're getting closer. Yeah, like the way I see it, it it boils down how dumb this entire silly season ended up being if it all ultimately boiled down to Chip not being prepared to let Alex Polo go test an F1 car. And he gets the F1 test anyway, so it yeah. all win. He's in Spain right now, as we speak, testing alongside Pado Award, funnily enough. <laughs> like, so you're telling me in the end this was all over some F1 tests? We worked ourselves well, into a shoot, brother. It ended up being because uh, they picked Piastri over all of these guys anyway. <laughs> Everybody involved in this is stupid. Every last one of you, like, and honestly, Chip has to take a has, has, like. Chip, look, I, I get it. The man stabbed you in the back. I get it. But at the same time, you're not getting anyone better in that number ten car on the planet right now than Alex Polo. He is special, right? He is a special talent, and you that's that's your that's your team leader post Dixon. He basically is Scott Dixon at this point. He's, and he's that, stolen all of Scott Dixon's plays. Like, at, at this point, you've got Dixon 2.0, and that's about as strong a praise as I can give a driver in IndyCar. He is special. The only thing that was really missing from Pelot's game was that can he absolutely dominate a race, and he just did that. That was the last question mark I had about Alex Pelot as a racing driver. He's special. This dude is amazing. Holy shit. Everything, I, everything about this was dumb afterwards, but I'm glad that Polo's still here. I'm glad that Polo will get to keep his number 10 seat. And I'm delighted for Felix Rosenquist, who deserved to keep that number seven car, as yeah. far as I was concerned. He's yeah. massively improved. He's now a lot closer to Pado Awards level in that McLaren team. Yeah. And he's one of the all-round good dudes in the series. If anyone's yeah. watched any of his content on McLaren with Pado, 
they are a genuinely lovely pair to watch. They are just great people, and it's 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 a great endorsement of the characters of the series. So I'm glad they're sticking around together. What the hell are they going to do with Alex with Alex Rossi when he rolls up? That's going to be hilarious to watch. <laughs> telling you, that seems going to be it. I'm I'm going to have to be one of man. I'm going to have to become one of those people whose entire personality is being a McLaren supporter. Actually, no, I don't. I don't want that. Well, but, but it is uh, going to be a like to have a position on the Motorsport 101 network. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> it's annoying because Pato Awards becoming my favorite IndyCar driver quite rapidly, and and I'm trying. I, I, that also means rooting for McLaren, and I don't really want to do that. It, I'm deeply conflicted. Um, hell, well, well, um, I mean, it's it's not too dissimilar from being a Sebastian Vettel fan who's got to put up with the bullshit of Aston Martin. Just since more races, you can get through it. Oh, I'm struggling, man. I'm struggling. I'm well, have to call the, here. I'm have to call the therapist. Look, <laughs> look, take our mind off of it. Mm. Possible is, and we're going to use this as a teaser for a possible season review. Mm. Uh, what was your highlight of the 2022 IndyCar season? Because I got mine. But Dre, yours is a good poll. Um... I got to commentate on it live on Twitch when it happened. Um, Scott Dixon's unbelievable Indy 500 qualifying run. That was the greatest qualifying run I have ever seen in my life. I was on my feet in shock, thousands of miles away in a bedroom in the UK, thinking, did I just see a man do a 234 mile an hour qualifying run at the Indy 500? I just, yes, if you, ever, you did. If you ever saw, like in athletics, the 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 reaction when Michael Johnson saw Usain Bolt run nine point five eight for a hundred meters, that was basically me. If you don't know what I'm talking about, find the video on YouTube. You'll know exactly what it looks like. It's uh, it's wild. That was, oh, look, no disrespect to anybody else. That was the greatest Indy five hundred qualifying run ever. I don't care what you tell me. The entire month of May was wild, even by normal 500 standards. Um, a lot went, a lot went down, a lot went up and down. It was crazy in a sense. There's so much could have happened, so many things that made it a quite special 500 in the end. But Dixon's qualifying run, oh yeah, that's that's a once in a generation run. You're not going to see anything like that. Alex Polo was remarkable in qualifying. He got blown out by half a mile an hour, which is like, you know, it's bad. And I think, Camille, I remember this. You know, it's bad when Alex Polo could only shake his head and laugh. Yeah, just <laughs> absolute disbelief. Yeah, just absolutely. Just, just, it was a magical, magical run. And yeah, yeah. Shout out to Scott Brayton, the other Scott of historical fame for 500 runs, but that was very special from Scott Dixon. Mm. What about you, Cam? We kind of took that one off the table, but I got to pick <laughs> a different one. <laughs> I'm thinking for me, Colton Herta cranking up the Eurobeat around the Indianapolis road course and driving out of his skin 
in changeable conditions. Steering wheel upside down. Oh, God, that save. Oh, my that goodness. Save and that oh. win. And just generally, once he got to the front after that save, just beating the brakes off of everyone around that track. That is why, that is why I can understand why Helmut Marco wants to bend and twist the super license rules. Because when this dude's on it. Oh, yeah. When Andretti isn't just the biggest tire fire in all of America, and that takes some doing, he's real good. Yeah, look, I've been critical of Colton. Some of it's been deserved. Maybe some of it's been a bit harsh, but I don't think anybody will deny his upside is as good as anyone in American motorsport. Like, that dude is something else at his very best. Um, and that Indianapolis road course race had everything you could throw at a racing driver over the course of a couple of hours, and he mastered everything. Yeah, completely get that one. RJ? Um, for me, uh, this was emblematic of Will Power's entire season. Because as we talked about, Will Power is can be an emotional uh, hothead sometimes. Remember Detroit last year when he felt like he had the race ripped away from him and he was just moaning to high heaven to anybody that would listen? Well, this year he went on to win this year's Detroit Grand Prix, but I'm not talking about that. I'm going to talk about the mid-Ohio race where he's trying to make up as much ground as he can on the first lap. He spins out and he drops the last place. That could have... That really could have tested his newfound patience. But in a race that became known for Alexander Rossi and Romain Grosjean completely losing their heads at each other, taking it out on themselves and their teammates, and all the mess that evolved to after the race. While all that was going on, Will Power just plugged away and plugged away and came back to finish third in a result that, in my view, that was a season saver. That was the difference between willpower lifting his second Astro Challenge Cup and not. That was a performance that defined his whole season, in my view. Yeah. If you want the quintessential race to sum up what that championship was to willpower, that's a very good pick. And that was that was pretty much what summed it up. And yeah, just digging himself out of a hole because the previous year he spun out and he was out of the race that year he spun out when he finished third and extended his championship lead um yeah again one more time willpower your indycar season champion for 2022 a remarkable driver in Preston Lundgaard, rookie of the year yeah we got to, we just got time to mention as well we got, we got some time yeah and Shout out as well to uh, Cam and RJ. They both called Christian Lungard winning Rookie of the Year. I uh, called David Malukas. I was just short. Oh, uh, man. I think I flip-flopped in the end because I, I thought Malukas was going to get it, but then he decided, why not take on used rubber during a race where used scuffed tires were just not the play? No, it, it just no, wasn't. Tire wear was extraordinarily high. Yeah, even more than they expected. And Dale Coyne are normally the masters of strategy, and they just got that one wrong. Dale Coyne's strategy gave the Rookie of the Year award to Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. I don't get it. Uh, And a highlight for what's been a pretty drab season for RYL in general. I mean, Christian Lingard finished fifth on the day. 
He only finished 23 points behind Graham Rahal, who we all know is a very solid IndyCar driver indeed. You know, RNL's had a shit year. Graham Rahal is not the reason they've been shit by any stretch of the imagination. And Lungard was pretty much at Rahal's level. That's a good sign for that team going forward. Less said about Jack Harvey, the better. Um, really? <laughs> so, brutal brutal just want, i just want some ivy deals back in my life no kidding um but uh yeah congrats to christian lingard and rookie of the year good to see him land on his feet after a rough time in the alpine driver academy where good drivers go into the meat grinder um essentially but uh yeah that'll do it for our mainline IndyCar coverage this season. Just wanted to say thank you to everyone that's listened in over the course of 2022. It's been a mad fun time. It's been a very fun season, as it normally is with IndyCar. We've laughed, we've cried, we've screamed, we've thrown up. Yep, uh, the, whole, the whole shebang. Um, hold this fort. We're going to try and organize a season review episode before we get to 400. Stand by on that. We'll figure something out. Like We'll keep you posted on that. But uh, we're clearing out the decks because welcome to MotoGP gauntlet season because uh, coming up after this, we have five races over the next six weeks. A triple header to kick us off. Aragon, <laughs> then we fly to Mategi, um, and then the return of Thailand in a triple header as well. It's going to be a fun time. First race in Thailand for three years. Can't wait for that. Um, also, we haven't mentioned it enough. Mark Marquez is back <laughs> this weekend yep. at Aragon. Oh, baby. The king is back. Long live the king, the other king. No, the other, other king. Um, yeah, uh, Mark Marquez. The following statement was released this week from Mark Marquez through his personal attorney and da- business manager in response to questions about his future career pans. I'm back. <laughs> and on that note, let's get out of here. But uh, yeah, MotoGP triple header with F1 on hiatus. We're going to be a MotoGP podcast for the next month. Enjoy. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison. Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell's been here as well. Until next time, we'll see you in Aragon. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Thank you to everybody who's read my stuff on racefans.net this IndyCar season. It's very much appreciated. And I was on motorsport101.com as well, of course, for Dre Review. So thank you to everyone that's tuned in. Maybe one of these days I'll write something on there. You bloody well should.